everyone, and welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps do you need to take to get there. I am your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 10. I am so glad you're here for this one. I've been looking forward to this for some time because we are joined by Julie Fouché. Julie is a board-certified family physician, and she also competed in the CrossFit Games from 2010 to 2015 where she consistently finished in the top five of all the women in the world and with two podium finishes. Now think about whatever sport you are really into. Might be golf, might be basketball, baseball. Every sport has its legends and those types of athletes that just transcend. And from the sport of CrossFit, Julie Fouché is one of those athletes. And I'm just so honored that she's with us here today. A bit more about Julie is that she completed her coursework through the Institute for Functional Medicine where she received her undergrad degree from the University of Michigan in biomedical engineering, not bad, (laughs) and completed her medical school and residency training at the Cleveland Clinic. Julie also holds a master's in nutrition degree from Case Western Reserve University and has completed the integrative medicine and residency curriculum through the University of Arizona. And you'll see how she continues her passion for bridging the gap between fitness and medicine to empower all of us to live healthier, more fulfilling lives. And yes, she still continues to do CrossFit for her own health and longevity. She hosts a very popular health and fitness podcast called Pursuing Health, which are just incredible guests. Julie and I cover a lot of different topics, but I invite you to write down the one or two things that really speak to you, things that you think you can implement into your life to make a change for the better. And so now, without wasting any more time, welcome to episode 10, and here is Julie Fouché. So Julie, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Darren. Um, It's great to meet you, and I'm so glad to be here. So Julie, as I mentioned to you before we hit record on this episode, is I've been doing CrossFit for a number of years. I love the sport. You know, I've followed your story arc, and many have, and there may be some who have not. Uh, how would you sum up your story? I know it's not fair, but where would you start? Oh, that's a, a big question and a long story. I grew up in Michigan, um, a suburb of Detroit. I was always very active growing up. I played or I did gymnastics for was my main sport growing up. And then I did track in high school And I went to college at University of Michigan and there I wasn't doing sports anymore. And I felt sort of lost. I was studying biomedical engineering, thinking I was probably going to go to medical school, but really wanted to make sure that was the right path for me. And I didn't really know what to do. I knew that I enjoyed being physically active, but I, I, now I didn't have coaches. I didn't have a team to work out with. And I felt really lost I tried some triathlons on the side and then, yes. And then I had a a great roommate, actually, uh, my freshman year of college or a a close friend who was doing triathlons. She was a swimmer. And so she kind of got me in the pool and I went from the first time going with her feeling like I was going to drown after two laps to being able to to swim a little bit longer. And we did a sprint distance triathlon that summer. Um, And then finally, halfway through college, I first found CrossFit and this was back in 2009. It was pretty early still. It wasn't as well known. And I just came across the CrossFit website and looked at some of the workouts of the day. And I immediately was attracted to it because it was a little bit of everything. And I always liked the variety. It had the gymnastics in there. There was some endurance, which appealed to me from the triathlons and the um, track background that I had. And then 
it also had some weightlifting, which I had done a little bit of, but, but was something new and exciting. It was different every day. You had a coach telling you what to do. You had people to work out with. And so the first time I went into my local CrossFit affiliate in Ann Arbor, Michigan, it immediately felt like home. I just knew this is, this is for me. And so I just started training really for my own health and fitness. I was in college and I think is pretty typical for a college female. I was struggling a lot with body image and really my exercise had become a way of, um, burning calories that I had eaten instead of something that I really enjoyed or a pursuit to make myself better athletically. Mm. And so CrossFit really shifted the focus for me and it allowed me to really appreciate my body and be able to work on new skills, learn new things and see food as fuel rather than, um, something that I had to feel bad about. And so that was really great off the bat. There wasn't any expectation or, or, um, aspiration for me to make it anything more than that about competition. So I, I really, um, you know, enjoyed it and just jumped in. Julie, when did you, when did you first learn that you have a gift and a talent? Uh, certainly there's a lot of hard work, but when did you kind of realize that, Hey, you know what? I, I might be okay at this, at this sport. That's a great question. So after I had been doing CrossFit for a few months, there were some people at my gym who said they wanted to do some extra training to participate in some local competitions. And I thought, why not? Let me try it too. It can't hurt. So I did that extra training and joined a few local competitions and, you know, really improved significantly every month, month after month. And I, during that year, I remember going back and watching videos from the 2009 CrossFit games. And those were held in Aromas, California on a ranch. And they had videos of these women just, you know, carrying sandbags and sprinting up this steep hill and doing handstand pushups on parallettes and all this crazy stuff, muscle-ups. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I could never do that, but they're so inspiring. And they had published after the CrossFit Games that year, the average score and the best score of the women who were there on some of their top lifts, some benchmark workouts. And so I printed that out and I put it up on my wall of my room um, in the house where I lived in college. And first looking at those numbers, I thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to come anywhere close to this. But sure enough, week after week, month after, after month, I just kept chipping away and started to be able to achieve some of those milestones. And I remember one specific competition that was at my home gym in Ann Arbor and someone locally, we had done Isabel, which is a classic CrossFit benchmark workout, 30 snatches for time. We did a squat version. And I remember hearing someone say a local coach or someone say, oh, I think she's going to go, go to the games. If not this year, maybe next year. And I think that was the first time that seed was planted that, oh, this might actually be possible. Uh, but it was still such a surprise every step of the way I competed that year in sectionals and then regionals and ended up qualifying to the CrossFit games that first year in 2010, which was a, wow. a total shock. Yeah. Yeah. T take us forward then just a few more years. Uh, so now you're at the games 2010 and your progression then in the sport in a very serious way, what were the next five years like for you personally and professionally? Yeah. So I competed in 2010 again, surprised myself. I ended up in fifth place that first year and I came back and was said, of course, I'm going to do this again. That was so fun. So I kept training. And at that point I was in my senior year of college. I was applying to med school, you know, that same summer where I was competing in the games the first time. And, uh, so finished, you know, training, competing, there was a lot of transition in my life that next year going into the 2011 season, just 
graduating, moving to a new city to start medical school. Um, mm. I had the, the first sort of death of close family members that I had experienced in my life. My grandmother and then my uncle both passed away within a short time period. And it was just a lot of transition. Um, so I went back in 2011 and I remember I was, it was really probably one of the most stressful times in my life. I, it was a point where I was feeling a lot of physical symptoms from stress leading into that games. And I remember going in thinking, okay, I just don't want to do worse than last year. Like, I just want to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Um, even though I think I, I was definitely capable of better, I was not in a great space mentally. And even though I went into the last event in third place, and it would have been a great event for me, I ended up really not doing well in that event and falling back down and getting exactly fifth place again. So I sort Did of you? got what I bargained for. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a big lesson for me. I, I think each of my years competing then for the next um, four, two or three years after that, it was really about this process of me building my own confidence in myself, believing that I was capable of winning um, and sort of overcoming those voices in our heads that tell us that we're not good enough. So I continued to compete. Then I was, I was in med school. I competed after my first year of med school. I then did two years of research in the middle of medical school, which gave me some more flexibility to compete for two more years. And my last year I ended up getting, so third place in 2012, made the podium, had a little more confidence. And then 2013, I took off of competing because med school was a lot more demanding that year. And then, um, 2014 came back after being away from a year, was able to finish in, or sorry, I got second place in 2012, was able to finish in third place. And then in 2015, uh, my season ended with uh, Achilles tear at regionals, which was certainly not expected, but we can talk about it more. That was one of the more powerful experiences in my life as well. Before that 2015, when you were in that 2012, 2013, was, was there... Uh, was there ever a time when you thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, the amount of work that it takes to be performing at this high of a level, I don't need to do this. Did, did it ever cross your mind? And why did you keep going? What drives you? So it, it may be across my mind. So after that 2011 year, when I said it was one of the more stressful times of my life, I came back after that games where I had finished in fifth again. And I had a lot to process. I think there was a lot I hadn't processed from grief, from, you know, the death of these family members, from moving, from my performance at the games, which I think what, you know, wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And I really struggled. I was in a dark place for a while. And I remember one specific conversation with my mom where she said, you know, you don't have to do any of this. You know, I was also, you know, starting med school. I was in my first year of med school. And she said, you don't wow. have to do any of this. You could drop out of med school today. You can stop competing, stop doing CrossFit. We're still going to love you either way. And that for me was a really profound moment because it made me take a step back and ask myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, because I think, you know, I knew I was in medical school. Yeah. I had to write all these essays about it. And my personal statement and why I wanted to be a doctor. And that was very clear to me, but for CrossFit, it really was one of those things that I sort of fell into. Like I said, I started it for my own health and fitness. I started doing competitions for fun and kept doing well. And so I just kept going because it's like, well, I'm pretty good at this. I'm doing well. Why wouldn't I keep going? And it becomes this cycle. Um, but this time really forced me to stop and ask myself that question of why am I doing this? Because I think a lot of times 
that motivation of, oh, I'm pretty good at it, or it's fun, or I'm getting, you know, doing well is motivation in when times are easier, but when times get really hard, I think that we often need some deeper level of understanding of what our purpose is, or what is the reason why we're doing this, why we're pushing through the hard times. And so I stopped and asked myself that question. I worked with a a counselor actually through my school and he had some interest in sports, sports med or uh, sports psychology. And we worked through a lot of things around this. And I ended up realizing that I really wanted to help people be as healthy as possible. That's, that was my goal. That's what I felt like CrossFit was so powerful in helping people really change their lives and really overcome, um, and, and develop these lifestyle behaviors that were so important for improving their health. And I felt like, wow, me competing and using my gifts as an athlete is giving me this platform to be able to reach people and being able to connect with some people who said, wow, you inspired me to start working out or start doing CrossFit. That really hit me as, wow, if this is something, this is a gift that I have. I always struggled a lot with, okay, I'm working, you know, all these other women are working just as hard as me. There are a lot of people doing the same exact training as me, but somehow I'm doing really well. I'm qualifying for the CrossFit games. And I had to really sort of frame that as well. I have some natural gifts here and I want to be able to really use and maximize those gifts to be able to reach people. For me, it wasn't about, oh, I want to, you know, win first place so I can make a lot of money. It was about how can I use this platform then for something that really matters to me, which is about creating health and about changing our healthcare system. Because as soon as I got into medical school, I realized that I'd been pretty naive and it wasn't what I expected. And there was a lot that, um, we could advocate for, for change in the healthcare system too. Wow. Well, there's a lot there. And that, that, why you have, that is deep. That had to get you through some of those dark days. Wow. It did. As soon as I started to clarify that for myself, uh, it was like a light bulb. Things changed pretty quickly before that I was really struggling. I was pretty depressed. I was crying all the time. I would get to get to the gym. And I remember a few specific times getting to the gym and just crying in my car not even going in and turning around and going home. Cause I just, wasn't in a good place. And once I had clarified that purpose for myself, training became more fun. Um, I was enjoying it. I was doing better. And then I ended up having my best finish of my whole career that year in 2012. Yeah, no, there's, uh, I appreciate you sharing that story. You know, for those that are listening, maybe in your car or at work, um, and maybe it's just, maybe you can relate to the story that Julie is sharing. And and Julie's giving us a really good clue here. Uh, success leaves clues and we can learn from others here. And so um, great example there, Julie. Let's, and let's I think we to- listen, if we listen to ourselves, like for me, it got to the point where I, maybe if I had listened earlier, I would have saved myself some pain. But I, when we get to the point where we're randomly crying and we can't control it, that's our body telling us something, our emotions telling us that something isn't right if we need to figure out what that is. And sometimes it's as small as a mindset shift or, you know, changing a few things in our lives that can make a huge difference. What were some of those signs looking back on it now that if you just listened to that, you may have saved yourself a little bit of pain? That's a great question. Well, I think during that time I was so, like I said, so stressed, like I was having physical symptoms from stress. 
So that would have been the first sign. <laughs> yeah. um, but I sort of had this attitude of, well, let me just push through. Let me just get through the games and then everything will be okay. It's just because of this big event coming up. And I think we can we can tend to do that. Well, let me just wait until this happens or that happens and things will get better. And I did that when I got back to school. I thought, oh, it's just because I'm homesick. Maybe when I go home for Christmas break, things will be better. I'll be able to see my coach again. And then I came back in January and things were worse. So you know, we, we, we can put things off and tell ourselves a story about waiting for things to get better. But, um, I think the more we dig into when we start to see those first signs of just feeling like something's off or something's not right and try to understand where that's coming from, hopefully we can save ourselves some pain and suffering along the way. Yeah, no. And Julie, during this time, you were one of the fittest women on the planet (laughs) during this time. I mean, you were at a very, very high level rarefied air that very few athletes could even touch. And, and even, even you were going through some of those mental gymnastics about, am I, am I enough? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe shrinking a little bit uh, through all these wins and accomplishments. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Am, am I right in saying both those things? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think we tend to, you know, put people up on these pedestals, people who maybe are doing well in sports or in life that we look up to as role models as, oh, well, they must not have any, any thoughts about I'm not good enough or any negative self-talk, but I'm probably, I would say, I would venture to say I'm up there with the, (laughs) the worst of the worst, or I have been, I think I've worked on it so much for myself over the last 10 years, but I, growing up, I, you know, I did gymnastics. I would definitely call myself a perfectionist, which served me well for many years in terms of getting good grades and doing well in gymnastics and all these things, but it really helped me, or it really made me develop this pattern of a lot of negative self-talk and never feeling like I was good enough, always feeling like I could do better being extremely hard on myself. And that eventually can become very negative. And so it's been even just recently in the last few years, a relearning process for me, a reframing process of learning how to love myself and want to be my best and push myself to be my best, but also love and accept myself for who I am and speak much more kindly to myself than, uh, than I was before. Yeah. You know, we all have these strengths and these gifts that are given to us and, um, and, and for all of us, right. When we play to our strengths, that's perfect. And sometimes, oftentimes we overplay those strengths and they can really become a negative. They can really be a blind spot for us. Um, so your story is not unique, but what a, what a great reminder that you may look at someone on the outside and think, oh man, they've got it all figured out. They're just a machine. They, mm-hmm. But no, we're, we're all human and it doesn't matter yeah, who you are. Absolutely. And I think it was something that was eye-opening for me too when I was competing my peers. Some of these women I competed with, I had the opportunity to train with them or do different events with them and get to know them. And I think- realizing through, through getting to know them and realizing that we all go through the same things because I would do that too. I'd put them up on this pedestal and say, Whoa, well, they're so much better than me and so much stronger than me. And, you know, they're always must be always happy and motivated and all these things, but that's right. not true. And so every, but we're all human. We all experience the same things, uh, just in different ways in our lives. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to 2015 central regionals. You mentioned this, there was something happened there in this most powerful moment of one of really powerful moment in your life. Tell mm-hmm. us, tell us more about what, uh, what happened? Sure. So 2015 was a really my most memorable season for sure. I 
this was my last season. I knew it was going to be my last season because I was going to finish medical school and it wasn't going to be feasible to train. Like I had been, I had already finished in third place on the podium, second place on the podium. This was sort of my last opportunity to go for that first place spot. And like I said, I had struggled for so many years to have the confidence in myself that I was really capable of it. And I worked on that so much year after year. And I felt like going into 2015, I really was in the best place mentally and really did believe that I was capable of winning. And, uh, I was in the best shape I'd ever been, you know, my numbers and all my workouts and lifts were the best they'd ever been. And I went into the regional feeling really great on Saturday, the second day of the event, there was a long workout with a lot of box jumps. And I had had some issues with my plantar fascia, plantar fascia with my Achilles tendons being sore before. And so I'd always been a little bit cautious on box jumps, but going into this event, I had been feeling really great. So I pushed it a little bit more. I do remember the day before the event going for a jog to sort of warm up and feeling a little something in my Achilles, hmm. but didn't pay too much attention to it. And I felt great going in the event, but somehow, um, towards the end of the workout, I was doing the box jumps and I felt like I, someone hit me in the back of the leg with a barbell. And I think this is a pretty typical story you'll hear of Achilles tendon ruptures where I immediately turned around and looked behind me and there was nothing there. And then I was sort of confused and I tried to figure out what was going on. My, you know, my foot and leg just weren't working properly. And I knew deep down that that's what had happened. It had always oh. been sort of one of my worst fears is the Achilles tendon tear, but it kind of set in, um, right after the workout. And as I was walking over to the medical area to get checked out and then realized that I had in fact, um, torn my Achilles tendon. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, first off, I, I watched the video before our, our interview and your description just unbelievable. How did you then uh, take your next steps um, in that competition? What what did you do? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it'll hit me really quickly. Of okay, how am I going to process this? This is what happened. You know, my season is over, and there was a lot of sadness that came on. I remember crying, and and then someone asked me, uh, "Are you going to do the next event? Because the next event was a handstand walk." And I, my immediate reaction was, of course, you know, you don't need your Achilles for a handstand walk. Of course I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so I ended up the, you know, the medical team put a compression boot on my leg to make sure that it wouldn't uh, be damaged any further. And I went out for the handstand walk. And what's so uh, uh, interesting is that I've been working with gymnastics coaches for the last two years who um, Dominique Mucciano and her husband, Mike Canales, and Dominique was someone, a gymnast from the 1996 Olympics that I had looked up to as a young gymnast and somehow was able to get connected with them. They both lived in Cleveland where I lived and had been working with them. It had been really great, but we had been working on, um, weighted handstand walks. So mm -hmm. I had been practicing handstand walks with ankle weights on for months. And so when I went to go do the handstand walk with the boot on, it was, no problem. I've been really sort of practicing for it. And my whole goal was just to be able to make the whole length of the floor, um, in one go and not come down from my handstand and I did it. And so it was a very powerful moment for me. And then after that workout, um, there was another part to it, a snatch. And then after that workout, I was interviewed. And by the time the interview was done, 
I turned around to walk across the floor and you had to walk across the entire competition floor to get back to the athlete warm-up area. And by that point, everyone else had cleared off the floor and I just turned around and I saw the entire crowd. It was so powerful. The whole crowd just clapping and I could just feel them there with me in that moment of extreme vulnerability. And it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. I'll always remember walking across that floor and just tearing up and feeling the whole CrossFit community behind me, because I think at the, you know, that's really what CrossFit is all about. It, for me, it was in a very public way, but that's what happens in every CrossFit gym every day. When someone comes in and has a bad day or someone's finishing last in a workout, the whole rest of the group is there for you. And they lift you up and they cheer for you when you're in a vulnerable position. And it was just really special for me to be able to experience that on such a big scale, um, from the whole CrossFit community. Well, I get I get chills having you just talk about it, Julie. Um, and again, when I was watching the video earlier today, the, the word that came to mind was just love. Yeah, I think the word love really is a, is a good description because it felt like, wow, I'm in this really tough moment. You know, everything I've been working towards my whole career you know, for, of competing is over in this one instant. It's not how I wanted it to finish. And I... I'm sad. And instead of me feeling alone, I felt like I had this whole community of people who really cared about me and were with me in that moment. And were, you know, the word empathy comes to mind. We're like really down there feeling it with me and, and lifting me up and knowing that it wasn't about, you know, being on the top of the podium. It wasn't about placing, you know, or performing a certain way, but this community was there and loving me you know, through the high points and the low points, which I think is so special because, you know, I think also being coming from a perfectionist standpoint and really always being awarded for certain achievements. I think that was also really important for me to feel. It's not always about being the best. It's just about being a good person, doing the right thing, trying your hardest. And, yeah. um, at the end of the day, that's, what's most important. Okay, Julie. So you talked about your why, how did that why then get you through from 2015 up until today? And how is that why really driving you to do some pretty cool things in your life? Oh, that's a great question. Well, my focus really shifted quickly to finishing my medical degree and then going through residency in family medicine. And I think there's a, a lot of, you know, hard part. Medical training is hard. There's a lot of things that you just sort of have to get through, um, which are not ideal. And for me, it was especially hard because, you know, my, I'm seeing the dramatic health changes people are making in the CrossFit gym every day. And those things just aren't happening in the healthcare system. So it can be a bit frustrating, but I knew that, uh, it was important for me because I knew I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be able to help take care of people and help people really optimize their health, prevent these diseases from happening in the first place, reverse them if they have them using things like CrossFit and lifestyle. And so that really drove me even on the, you know, the hard days of 24 hour call and not sleeping and, um, you know, be, being challenged in those ways, that purpose also helped me get through, um, the medical training. So then after that, it's really been, uh, a bit of a whirlwind the last couple of years I finished as I finished residency was right around the time the COVID pandemic started. So the world sort of turned upside down and, um, I had planned to start a direct primary care practice, which is sort of a low overhead model of practicing primary care and really leveraging the power of CrossFit in that for my patients. And then ended up 
finding uh, a, along the way a healthcare company called Wild Health, which does precision medicine. So um, really the idea of being able to optimize each person's health and create a really personalized plan based on your own data, not just treating you like a number um, and looking at all different aspects of lifestyle and health and really aligned with uh, the founders of Wild Health on their mission and their values and felt like there was a lot we could do together and have been also partnering to bring that type of care on a larger scale to the CrossFit community, which has been really cool for me. So with Wild Health and personalized care, it sounds like a really cool concept and idea. What's the benefit of it for today's healthcare consumer and what would prevent it from going from scaling much, much bigger? I'm curious. That's a great question. So I think for me, one of the frustrations I had with the conventional healthcare system is that so many patients come in and because of the way the insurance model works, you're really not able to spend a significant amount of time or develop a real relationship with your doctor most, most of the time. Um, so you come in, it's a 15 minute appointment. There's not a lot of time to really address the root causes of symptoms. And so most often you're getting a prescription and being sent on your way. Sometimes then you're coming back to get more prescriptions for the side effects of your prescription. And it's not very satisfying. And I had been exposed to a concept called functional medicine while I was in med school. Also, there was a center for functional medicine at the Cleveland clinic. And I love the approach of trying to address the root cause. And most of the time, those root causes are related to our lifestyle, our nutrition, our exercise, our sleep, our recovery, or how we manage stress relationships, and really drilling down to those, our environment. And so the concept of wild health or precision medicine is saying, one, let's give you an opportunity to develop a long-term relationship with your doctor and also with a health coach. So not only are we gonna give you a medical plan, but we're going to make sure that you have a coach who can help you actually implement that plan and nice. help you troubleshoot when things don't fit into your day-to-day -day life. Um, but number two is how do we come up with a really personalized plan? So instead of coming in to an office and a 15 minute visit and saying, I have X, Y, and Z symptoms and your doctor saying, okay, those symptoms mean you have this disease. Um, we're going to give you this prescribed treatment or medication. Now we're saying, um, okay, why do you have these symptoms? And let's look at all the different aspects of your health, but let's also look at what makes you unique. Let's look at your genes. Let's look at all of your lab markers. Let's look at any wearable data that you might have, like mm. a sleep tracker or a glucose monitor. And let's take all of this information into consideration and make sure that you're on a plan that's really well-informed to be most likely to work for you and get you closer to your goals. And then use data to iterate on that plan and make sure we're moving in the right direction. There's a lot of room for innovation and ways that we can change our healthcare system so that hopefully it's more transparent and that the money that we are paying for healthcare is actually um, going for good value. Yeah. Uh, of all the things you could do though, Julie, of all the things you could do to improve the healthcare system, you chose wild health. And uh, what, what is there about this that, that is just driving you that this is it? You could do anything right now. You're a young healthcare professional and you could do a lot of different things, but why is this the one? That's a great question. I, so there were a few things that really attracted me to wild health. The first was the algorithm that they have built. So they have been working on bringing in a lot of different pieces of data 
So DNA, lab markers, questionnaire data about a patient's history. And when Matt and Mike, the two doctors who first started the practice, were doing this for their patients initially, it was taking them five or 10 hours for each patient to sort through all this data and make sense of it and come up with a personalized plan. And that's just not sustainable. They wanted it to be more more accessible. So they have spent a lot of time and effort creating an algorithm that now brings in all that data and gives a very personalized report to each patient um, based on their information for each of these different domains. And then sitting down as their doctor, I can use that report as a guide based on what the patient's telling me about their symptoms, based on what their goals are, what their current lifestyle is like. And so it really decreases my learning curve. It makes the latest evidence very accessible at my fingertips to be able to um, see, oh, what, here's the, you know, the latest SNP that's associated with vitamin D. And I know that this patient has it, and this is the link to the research study, you know, as a doctor, in today's world, it's hard to keep up with the latest research because in a conventional system, you're seeing patients around the clock and then doing a lot of paperwork and it's hard to keep up, keep up. But this really pushes the latest research and evidence to you as a doctor and makes it easier for you to do your job and spend your time with the patient and integrating that information into their life. So that was one thing that really attracted me to wild health. And then the other part is they had already started a fellowship. So a way for other doctors and health coaches to learn how to practice this type of medicine. And so I saw that it was something that would be able to be more scalable, that would be able to reach more people. And my hope was that we could use this to reach the CrossFit community. It would be something that would be accessible to the CrossFit community on a larger scale. Wow. Well thought out. That's really cool. Very, very nice. And, and I've followed uh, wild health on Instagram. It's at wild health, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At wild health MD, I believe it is. At wild health MD. Okay. All right, Julie. Um, I listen, I, I, I noticed that there's been, um, I've noticed a few videos that have been put out by CrossFit, I believe, or was it some other organization? But their video has to do with you are enough. And mm. um, one of the things in this video, you, you talk a bit very eloquently about how you have been on a journey uh, over time of being learning how to be proud of your accomplishments, about how being hum- humble doesn't necessarily mean shrinking. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what have you learned about becoming really great at something and how to be proud of it in a way that serves the world and also serves yourself. What, what have you learned? Wow. Well, I, like you said, I used to think that humility was shrinking and I, it was something that always was always very important to me. I, I didn't, I didn't like it when people were very, um, overly, confident in themselves or displayed hubris or things like that. And, and so I never wanted to, to appear that way. And so I, my interpretation of that was, okay, well, let me just minimize all of my accomplishments and sort of shrink whenever someone, you know, congratulates me or says good job. And I realized, um, not too long ago that maybe that's not the right approach. (laughs) Maybe, um, you know, and I, I think through my faith also, this has become more clear to me that, you know, we all have unique gifts and everybody has unique and valuable gifts. They're all different. And my gifts are different than your gifts, but we, our purpose here in life is to develop those gifts that we've been given to their fullest extent and use them 
to help the world, to help humanity, however we can. And at the end of the day, you know, we, God wants us to let our light shine, um, and to really express those gifts fully and be proud of them, but realize that it's not us, you know, who's doing all of this. It's really because of the gifts he's given us and because of how he is, um, interacting in our lives. So giving all the credit to him, um, but being, being proud of who you are and, and what your gifts are and letting your light shine. There is a book that you think very highly of, The Language of God, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief by Francis yes. Collins. You indicated, I'm paraphrasing, that that book just, boy, changed a lot of things for you. Tell us more about what is there about this book and, and um, yeah, what was there in that book that kind of lit a fire uh, with, with you? Sure. Well, that sort of um, ropes into a little bit of my faith journey, but I also, as an aside, was recently able to interview Dr. Collins on my podcast more about COVID, but I also snuck in some questions about that book because it was so life-changing for me. Uh, But he, so I, you know, I grew up in a Catholic background and I think like many people went through my existential phase in, in high school and early college and sort of said, okay, I don't believe in God. I don't think I can buy this. And then it was around the time I started CrossFit, actually, I had an amazing roommate, um, who we had a lot of deep, you know, late night bunk bed conversations about the meaning of life. And I also read two books, mere Christianity by CS Lewis being one. And then, um, Francis Collins book. And those both really changed my perspective. And I, I got to the point where I said, wow, I really do know that God exists. And for me, the language of God was especially impactful because it was written by Francis Collins, who's a scientist, you know, uh, at the highest level, he's the director of the NIH. He ran the human genome project and he really set out on his journey to prove that God didn't exist. He never was brought up in a religious community or family. And he was really taken aback when one of his patients asked him about, you know, if he believed in God and why not. And he said, wow, I've never actually researched this. I don't know if I have evidence to back up why I don't believe in God. And, and through his process and his journey, he came to opposite conclusion and is now an incredible advocate for, uh, spirituality and faith, especially, you know, coexisting with science. And I think for me, that's something that I had always appreciated and been in awe of, science, the way the human body works, that's what really drew me into medicine. And so being able to see it through that lens, I think was really powerful for me as well. By the way, your podcast is called Pursuing Health. Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I listened to a couple episodes again just recently, and everyone is a great podcast. You have interest, very interesting guests in a really different perspective. So I would encourage everyone to check out uh, Julie's podcast. You will not be disappointed on that. Of course, after you're done binge listening to this podcast, Julie. Of course, yes. <laughs> okay, Julie, so a lot of people are listening in. They want to learn more about you and follow you and your projects that you're so passionate about. How should they do so? How do we follow you and get involved? Well, the best place to find me is probably on Instagram at Julie Fouché, F-O-U-C-H-E-R. And like you said, the podcast Pursuing Health is on all major podcast platforms. And then if you're interested in checking out Wild Health, that's at wildhealth.com. And you can use the discount code GOODHEALTH, G-O-O-D-H-E-L-T-H, all caps, uh, for 30% off. So if you want to check it out, that would be a good way to go. 
Thank you, Julie. And uh, we could talk for hours, but I'm going to resist the temptation on that. <laughs> um, let, let's uh, let's give you the the last last word here. Um, there are so many people listening in that have a desire to to either change their life for the better, either through health or wellness or perhaps a career change, something to change in their life. Um, and maybe I think we can learn a lot from you. What what advice would you give your you know your 19 year old self? If you can go back in time, you meet her on the sidewalk and you put your arms around her, what advice would you give her? Mm, that's great. So I think there's a few different ways to say this, but I'm thinking, like we talked about in that that video recently, you are enough. And this idea of just surrender, of just letting go, of feeling like when I was my 19-year-old self, I was trying to control everything. I was studying so hard and working so hard in the gym and trying to be perfect in every way. And I think that learning how to just surrender into whatever you know my life is going to be and whatever God's plan is for me has been so freeing and also has allowed me to really flourish even more than I ever expected before. So I think just letting go, um, having some grace for yourself, loving yourself, and just being excited to see where this life is going to lead you. Julie, you've given us so many practical tips and hints and great insights. Thanks for being so authentic and vulnerable about your journey and your story. And I really appreciate being part of the podcast. Thank you so much, Darren. This was really fun. We'll have to do it again and finish our last few hours. <laughs> that is a deal. I'm going to take you up on that. Well, we could have talked to Julie for so much longer. Uh, what a story. Inspiring and encouraging. And I hope you found inspiration and encouragement in Julie's uh, story and that, in that conversation. And if you did, I invite you to share this episode with a few people in your life who are important to you. Also, uh, you can follow Julie at Julie Fouché. That is, her last name is spelled F-O-U-C-H-E-R. All right, so Instagram at Julie Fouché. Also at Wild Health MD, you can uh, track progress there. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Darren Johnson one Leave me a message. Connect with me. Let me know how these podcasts are working for you. Also, you can connect with the I Dare You Pod community on Instagram at I dare you pod. Also leave a review on Apple, share this episode with others. And thanks again for listening to episode 10 and get ready next week for episode 11 of the I dare you podcast.